Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Big Blues Podcast. This is part two of three of our State of the New York Giants series, where today we are going to be looking extensively at the New York Giants offense outside of Daniel Jones. In case you missed our first episode, go back to wherever you get podcasts um, or on YouTube and listen to our first episode where we cover the State of the Giants franchise, So we where we look at Joe Judge, Dave Gettleman, and Daniel Jones. All right, so today, in this particular episode, part two, we're going to be covering the offense outside of Daniel Jones. And then part three, we're going to be covering the entire New York Giants defense. So, Matt, are you ready to talk about the Giants offense? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely ready to talk about the Giants offense. Uh, This is probably the most interesting unit um, the Giants have heading into 2021 because they're just – there's so many changes, and on top of there being so many changes, there are kind of so many players who, for lack of a better term, are kind of in make-or-break years, right? Where, you know, we're kind of getting to the point with some of these players where if, if things start don't kind of start trending in the right direction, we're going to have to press the panic button. And we, t- we talked about Daniel Jones separately. He's obviously the biggest part of the offense. And, you know, it is kind of start – the hands getting closer and closer to the panic button on Jones, but now it's kind of ready to talk about the kind of the rest of the offense around him. So, yeah, because it's it's at this point it's kind of get off the pot time for some of these players, if that makes any sense. So, um, we got to start seeing some more out of them. But let's start let's start with one of the more dynamic pieces of the Giants' offense that they missed all of last season. Now, again, you all know if you've listened to us for a long time. You know our thoughts on Saquon Barkley. Neither of us are fans or were fans of the Saquon Barkley pick, so we're not going to go down that rabbit hole today. Um, but we are going to talk about what he could bring to the Giants' offense, if healthy, heading into the 2021 season. Um, so, Matt, I guess let's start there. What are your expectations for Saquon Barkley this year if he's healthy and he's able to come back? I mean, I, I you know, it, it's I, kind of throughout this episode, you guys are going to find that we're going to be mentioning different pieces of the offense at the same time. Um, I think that the addition of Kenny Galladay, who really is like a true outside threat, is going to make Saquon Barkley's life running the football so much easier. That I, I really think that if we can get 17 games of a healthy Saquon Barkley, that it's going to be his best season yet. Like, he's going to top that rookie performance where he went over 2,000 yards. That's that's in the realm of possibility. The, the line, as bad as the line is, is better than what it was in 2018 when he was a rookie. And, you know, getting him back and healthy, I, I, maybe not reception-wise because Jones moves around. You know, Jones isn't going to check down as much as Eli did. But in terms of running the football, I think this could be the year where we get the best Saquon that we've ever seen. See, I'm going to go ahead and guarantee that it's going to be the year where we get the best Saquon we've ever seen because Dave Gettleman wants to give him $25 million. Like, Dave Gettleman wants to roll out of bed and give him – and if he has, like, 2,000 total yards this year, it will completely justify doing that in the eyes of Dave Gettleman, even though it actually wouldn't in the eyes of actual football and people who, you know, know the cap and the impacts that a $20 million or even a – more realistically, it's not going to be $20 million, but likely $17, $18 million a year contract, giving that to a running back. Like, what that does to your football team is not good. But just with how bad the Giants' luck has been when it comes to free agents, like, 
You know, for example, obviously we're going to talk about the defense, but Leonard Williams had the best year of his career probably that he'll ever have last year. And he, it was, of course, in a contract year. And I have no doubt that Saquon Barkley, yes, I know he's got the fifth-year option, is going to have a great year because of that as well. You know, I think I think the big thing, I kind of, you know, what Saquon does for, for the offense just in terms of being a receiver and being a rusher, um, and Daniel Jones not having that last year, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not someone who's very big on running backs change the way that teams play. I mean, generally speaking, for the most part, running backs do whatever you give them the opportunity to do. And you know, you have guys like Saquon who can do a little bit more, but they don't overall have this giant effect on the offense. So I don't want to make it seem like Saquon Barkley is going to come in, and that's going to be the reason why Daniel Jones turns it around and becomes. It's not because it's not, and there's people who think that. There's people, there's Giants fans who think that because Saquon Barkley's back that it's going to change Daniel Jones' entire career arc. And that's just not going to happen. If you think that, you're going to be highly disappointed. This what, what it does do, though, what Saquon does do is he adds another weapon that can, you know, when you're on the 30-yard line, can take it 70 yards down the field. That's what Saquon does, and that's what the Giants were missing last year. The Giants didn't have that many big plays last year. And, you know, it, the fact that you can, you know, maybe do a screen pass to Saquon or you're going to hand the ball off to Saquon and really anywhere he's on the field, you have that touchdown potential. That's what makes Saquon Barkley special. And that's really what this team needs because, I mean, in today's NFL, Dan, and, and you know, you, you look at you look back at the last couple of years, teams don't really go on these long eight, nine, ten minute drives anymore to score touchdowns. Touchdowns come quick. They come fast. Um, they're yeah. big speed plays. kills, speed kills in this league, man. And nowadays, it's it's big plays, and just having a big play guy like Saquon Barkley um, on, on the field, that's really going to help the Giants' offense just as a whole. Um, and then obviously, there's also the concern of Saquon Barkley not kind of gaining those gritty yards. I know fans don't like to talk. Yeah, about well, because he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. He's Aaron Judge in the sense that, like, he goes out there. He's either taking it seventy yards or he's going to get stopped for a two-yard loss. And that has, I think, always been the criticism of Barkley. It's like everybody loves, you know, everybody loves the big, the big long runs, but he's got to get the tougher yards this year if this team's going to win games. Because I think the main point of the running game in football nowadays is, you know, really you should be throwing on first downs. Analytics say you should be throwing on more first downs than running on more first downs. But, you know, when you get a second and four – can you, do you have a running back that can convert that into another first down? And the answer to that has to be yes. Those are the tough yards you need Barkley to get in today's league. And, I mean, that's, again, like that, like mathematically, statistically, that's always been a concern of Barkley. I'm, I'm pretty sure if you go and you look back, if you take out all the runs that go, like, 20 yards or more, Saquon. You've done average, it. And I have. Saquon yeah. was averaging less than three yards a carry, which you can't have. You can't have. So, uh, that's kind of what we need to see kind of, you know, from Saquon. The next step for him is let's gain those gritty yards, especially as this team can can start, you know, being ahead in football games, right? You're going to need Saquon Barkley to gain you the four, you know, the four yards, you know, on second and four to turn it into a, yeah. a, a first down. That keeps if, you're, if, you're up a, if you're up a touchdown at the end of a game, right, because this team should be better than last year, so they should win more games. If you're up a touchdown with three minutes left, can Saquon Barkley get you ten yards? Dice the game. Yeah. Like, those are the type of runs he's – and those are some of the, the, the ten hardest yards you will get as a team in a given week. And he hasn't done it in his career. 
Partly because the Giants have sucked, I, 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 basically, I, his whole career. We I, haven't been winning, but... I, I do want to say that's also a possibility on, as to why Saquon hasn't gained those yards. We haven't seen him do that. Maybe, yeah. It's because, you know, if you're getting... If you're in the third quarter and you're already down 14 points, who gives a crap if you get three yards on a run instead of getting, you know, a, you know losing a yard? Because, you know, maybe if you bounce it out, there's a 25% chance you break it big. He might be taking that chance instead because his team's down. So, it's definitely yeah. something that... that we kind of have to watch this year, especially since, again, Saquon, that fifth-year option, I mean, that's kind of a contract year, per se, for running backs. Yeah. You know, most most because, yeah. get their money after that fourth season, before that fifth-year option. Right. So this is this is essentially a contract. Right. Um, all right, let's talk about – we talk about how speed kills. Let's talk about the Giants receiving core. Now, we want to preface this by saying every year this happens with Giants fans, and it's because of Victor Cruz, and I love Victor Cruz. Love him to death. We have we have a reward what? for this because of Giants fans. Yes, we call it the this year's Victor Cruz Award. We do. And in some other episode, we'll announce it. But I don't want to waste our time as a fan base. I, and it's going to happen. But I don't want to waste our time and our energy talking about Austin Mack, who's not going to make the team. CJ Board. Or, or David Sills. Caden Smith. I don't care how good he was in college. I don't want to waste our time talking about the pass catchers as a whole, right? We, we have very good pass catchers this year. For like the first time since probably the, the 2012 season, or, the, or you know, when we had Knicks and Cruz and, you know, or, you know, 2011 we had Knicks, Cruz, Manning. We had, our receiving core is loaded. It's absolutely loaded with players, all right? And I'm not just talking about our wide receivers, but I'm also talking our tight ends, our pass catchers as a whole. I mean, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, um, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, John Ross, Evan Ingram, Kyle Rudolph. Like, stop right there. Like, loaded. Stop right loaded. there. Loaded. Until guys start going down, that's all we need to talk about. Right. Because that's it. In, 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 until there are injuries that are happening, those are the only guys that are going to touch the field. That's it. Right, or, or because the Giants will run a lot of two tight end sets and a lot of. I don't think. I think a lot of times people think it's like Madden, where it's like, oh, we'll just throw five receivers out. When do you ever see five receivers out of the field, especially because when you can going to be back this year? I mean, that that that's might it. be about it. But even so, like Ingram will play that those I two because Ingram mean, is a de facto receiver at this team, point. So teams it's, don't even play four. I mean, four wide receivers is increasing around the league, but you don't even see that a ton. Yeah, I mean the Cardinals do that, but that's about it. Most, like, most teams. That's about it. Most teams are in are in your you know your standard eleven personnel and three wide receivers, a tight end, and a running back, and that's what they roll out. And I can see the Giants still, even with this group, doing a lot of, you know, what's it twenty two? Is that uh, two tight ends and or twenty one? Two tight ends and a running back. Yeah. And um, I can see that happening a lot this year too. So. But I want to let's break down. Let's kind of go player by player here. Let's talk about Kenny Galladay first because Kenny Galladay is, I mean, the expectations on him are high. He signed a massive contract. We both agree it was an overpayment, right? So, I mean, so yeah, the, the Giants. It was. Overpaid. Let's he, just call it what I, it is. I, I and think, now I'm I'm probably more excited about him than you are. I think as Giants fans, the expectation has to be we will n- never see Kenny Galladay live up to the contract, but that doesn't mean it's going to be a bad contract. Right. Yeah, he's never going to be. He's not a top five receiver. Galladay's not a top. You're not going to see a Stefan Diggs type season for him this year. 
I don't want to put those types of expectations and on him. He's not even a volume receiver. Like I don't think no, he's I not. Don't think Kenny Galladay is going to step into 140 targets this year. He's not. Like you're, I don't think I don't think we're going to see Kenny Galladay catch 100 passes. I think he's he's a 70, 75 catch player. Like that's what that's what he is. But I think where his the contested catchability, the ability to have a guy who you could throw the ball up to, he leads the NFL in contested catches over the past two seasons, and he's barely played. He's barely played. Like last year, he missed a lot of time. So the guy is a beast when it comes to going up and getting the ball. So in the red zone, um, you know, on third downs, if Daniel Jones is under duress, just throw it up to Galladay, see if he can make something happen, right? So I think that's the type of value that Galladay brings. But so, it's, so in that side, sense, he's a true perimeter player. On the flip side, on the flip side, one thing we haven't seen too much from Daniel Jones is throwing the ball into tight windows. No, he doesn't so, like to do it. So. The question now becomes, you signed Kenny Galladay. He's this massive wide receiver. I mean, you're, you're, you're going to struggle to find any really CB that's going to beat him at a jump ball. Can the Giants find ways to get him the football, even though he's not going to get a ton of separation? Because he's not. I mean, that's one of the biggest complaints that we heard time and time again last year. Daniel Jones was bad because his receivers can't separate. Okay. Well, the receiver you just signed to a massive contract can't separate. He can't separate either. He can't. And <laughs> but that's not his game. He's not a speed receiver. That's not his game. His game is a go up and get it tight. But again, Giants fans like to distort things. There's we have a bad habit as Giants fans. They really like to put expectations on guys that are just not. He's not going to get 100 catches. I would be shocked if he has 100 catches. Shocked. So, so, so just a question for you, Dan, because you know, I, out of all the pass catchers the Giants have, I think you know expectations is Kenny Galladay is going to lead the team. In, if he plays 17 games, yeah, he's going to lead the team in targets. He should lead the team in yards. He should lead the team in touchdowns. What? And, and, and this is hard. It's, we talked kind of about this in the Daniel with Daniel Jones too. What kind of? And you don't have to give me stats either. What would be a quote unquote sure. successful season for Kenny Galladay? <clears throat> A successful season for Kenny Galladay for me is healthy more often than not. So I'm not even saying play all 17 games. I'm saying give me 12 to 14 games. All right? That's fair. Because he does have the injury bug. Okay? And then one thing I want to see more than catches, I want to see 7 to 10 touchdowns this year. That's what I want to see from him. Because, again, if you bought him in to help score the football, we were not good at scoring the football last year. He's a big dude. He could, he could catch the ball in traffic very well. So I want to see them utilize that in the red zone, be creative with getting him in the ball in the red zone. And I also want to see him be efficient with his red zone targets. Like, I don't want to look at the end of the season and be like, oh, yeah, he only caught three of 20 of his red zone targets for touchdowns for 15%. Like, I want him to be closer to, like, 40 or 50% conversion rate on his red zone targets for touchdowns. Those are my th – those would be – I'm not even worried about, like, stat – like, catch numbers or yard numbers as much as be that red zone player. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not either. I'm not worried. This isn't fantasy football. If this is fantasy football. It's a different, different conversation. I'm not worried right. if if Galladay catches seventy passes and barely gets over a thousand yards, but he's putting up twelve touchdowns. There are multiple games where in the fourth quarter it's third and five, and the Giants are running some sort of fade route to Galladay yeah. on the outside, and he's making a, a big catch to close the game out. Um, those kinds of things. Those are the things that I'm expecting from a big body, eighteen and a half million dollar wide receiver. Like, that's, yeah, that's what I want from Kenny Galladay this season. And if he does that, which is why I'm kind of saying he's never going to live up to the $18.5 million contract because he's not going to – I don't think he's going to be a 1,400-yard guy. 
But if he does those little things that help you win football games, that's why the contract in the end could still be worth it without it being worth it, which is kind of right to say. An oxymoron. No, I, I understand. I understand exactly what you're talking about. Um, let, let's let's talk about another giant who is much maligned. Um, was a Pro Bowler last year, um, Evan Ingram. Let's talk about him um, because I think we're both bullish on Evan Ingram. I can't Matt, quit him. I can't quit him. I refuse I know you to can't. quit Evan Ingram. I refuse. I, you I, know what? I, listen, listen. If, if he's not good this year, Matt, if he's not good this year, I'm going to make you sit in the kitchen and smoke every Evan Ingram until you no longer ever want to smoke an Evan Ingram again. It's You know what, right. you know what Dan? If he's not good this year, he's going to go sign somewhere where he's going to be good. I it's, know. It's, it's Yeah. Just you watch Evan Ingram. Play he's going to sign with New England. Pe- people are going to be so mad as I'm saying this. I can already see all the, the angry comments. You watch Evan Ingram play football. The route running. Just at the speed. I mean, he's just such a – he's a nightmare for defenses, especially on – especially, you know, from that tight end slot. And But the issue is that his hands are made of trampolines. See, Dan, see, Dan, see, Dan. <laughs> Over the course of his career, the man has had like a handful of bad games that account for over half his drops. So he's just yeah, – there are but... just some days where he's just bad. And I think we need to get to a point where when, you know, maybe it's during warm-ups if he drops a pass. Like, you know, we need to recognize, the coaching staff needs to recognize when Evan Ingram's just not having a good game. And that's when you play Kyle Rudolph a bunch. Yeah, just all, all the whole game. And, but, you know, I mean, maybe maybe that's the case. And maybe that's why they brought Rudolph in. But I, I think Rudolph will add another dimension. But let's, let's keep focusing on Ingram here. I just Do you think Kenny Galladay's arrival, Matt? impacts Evan Ingram oh, dramatically. Do you think it could really help him? I mean, a ton. I mean, and this, this is, again, this goes back to why Kenny Galladay could be worth the money without actually being worth the money, just for what he could do for everyone involved in the offense. I mean, so much pressure was on Evan Ingram last season because he really was the top target in the Giants' offense, and he's not a top target in any offense, and he shouldn't be. No. He's not that player. But with Kenny Galladay on the outside, that's he's going to require safety, safety attention and safety help. That's going to free space up for Evan Ingram to do what he does best, which is kind of attack that intermediate passing area, which the Giants didn't do enough targeting him of there last year. Kind of target him in that intermediate area between the 10 and the you know 20 yards downfield. Let Evan Ingram catch the football there. And honestly, let him do damage after the catch because he's good with sure. the ball in his hands after the catch. And I think the fact that they brought in Kenny Galladay, right, and then – I, I do think Evan Ingram, outside of a couple of bad games last season, wasn't awful. He was just okay. You know? The Eagles game did him in for our fan base. Yep, 100%. Like, our fan base basically was like, this guy needs to retire after that Eagles game. And that's fair. It was, it was I mean, it cost us a playoff spot, really, if you think about it. It, it kind of did cost us a playoff spot. So, it's, even though we didn't deserve to be a playoff team last year. If, if you can just find... Right, get, find Evan Ingram space and throw him the football. He's going to be fantastic, and and I I tr- I, tr- I truly mean that. And I'm not saying he's going to be fantastic; like he's going to be a thousand yard tight end. I'm saying, you know, I think we again we put so much pressure on players and like stat wise. I'm saying like mm-hmm. the impact he can have in the offense if you just give him the opportunity to get the ball in space. Is what the Giants need to yeah. do, and, and and that's going to lift, you know, kind of raise the offense's level up quite a bit. Because that, that's another really good weapon the Giants have, you know. And it is. coaches it is. and executives are a lot higher on Evan Ingram than fan, than fans are. I, I'll go ahead and say that as well. 
that's how we got into the program. Yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. Because, uh, right, coaches really liked it. We got in over Tanyan, who had a very good year last year. Um, let's talk about the best of the rest. So, and by the best of the rest, I'm saying like Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Young Joka, a.k.a. Kadarius Tony, Kyle Rudolph. You know, what are your expectations for them this year? Um, and do you think we need to really be pumping the brakes on the Kadarius Tony expectations this year? Because I, I feel like they're getting out of hand already. Let's address the Kadarius Tony thing first. I think sure. Kadarius Tony is going to be brought along extremely slowly. Right. Like the Giants have Kenny Galladay, they have Darius Slayton, they have Sterling Shepard. They're going to mix in Kyle Rudolph. I mean, I, the Giants are going to have plays in their playbook for for Kadarius Tony, and the hope is that like every time and you're going to know because it's Jason Garrett, you're going to know. You're going to be like, oh, Tony's in the backfield, he's getting the ball, I, I, and that's exactly what's going to happen every time. I was literally about to say you're going to hope yeah. the Giants aren't too predictable with it, but oh, they're going to be. I, I, I you know, Jason I, Garrett will be. If Kadarius Tony shows talent and he's really good from the from the start of the year, he's going to be really hard to keep off the field, right? But I think they're going to bring him along slowly, you know. And again, to throw all of this out the window. If week one he steps on the field and has like three like insanely long catches or something like that, you could throw that all out, out, totally out the window. But I personally don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to bring him along super slow. They're going to. Play Sterling Shepard in the slot, which is what they should be doing anyway. They have Darius Slayton, and he's just going to be mixed in. And as the season comes along, he'll progress. I don't, you know, I don't really think Kadarius Tony is probably going to be like a nine nine hundred yard guy. And I'm saying total yards. I think it's probably going to be in like that six hundred range total yards. Just yeah, which is, I mean, again, would be a good rookie year for him. It'd be a fine rookie year for him. There's a lot of mouth. To, there's a lot of mouths to feed. And the person feeding the mouths isn't – it's not like Patrick Mahomes is back there throwing the ball. All right? It's its its not – it's like its like the chef – it's like one of the bad chefs from one of those Gordon Ramsay shows and, and, throwing the ball back there. And then in terms of the rest, so, right, in terms of everyone else, like Kadarius Tony, we know he's going to be brought along slowly. We know there's a ton of potential there. I don't think we're necessarily going to see it all year one. In terms of everyone else, man, Sterling Shepard, he's still the you know probably the fourth guy on offense in terms of pecking order after Saquon, Kenny Galladay, Evan Ingram. Uh, we know he's like Daniel Jones, like security blanket in a lot of ways. I still think Sterling Shepard's going to have a solid year. I don't again. Yeah. He is. You know what? You know what you have in Shepard. You know what Shep is. Hopefully, not going to play all every game, likely, but that's okay. Hopefully, the Giants push him inside more this year because he plays best in the slot. Um, and, and, and he's a reliable wide receiver. He's going to catch what's thrown to him. He's not going to do a ton after the catch, but you know what Sterling Shepard is, solid wide receiver. He's a great fourth option in your offense. Like, yeah. if, if you're looking at the Giants' offense, and you know Sterling Shepard likely is that third or fourth option. He's a great third or fourth option. Like, that's, you should be very happy. And Darius Slayton slash Kyle Rudolph, they're a great yeah, fifth option. Yeah, I was, was going to say. I was going to say about Darius Slayton. What are your expectations for Darius Slayton this year? Why do you think he's going to get 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns? Oh, my gosh. The amount of fans <laughs> that thought that's what was the next step in Darius Slayton's career. I mean, uh, Darius Slayton, Dan, didn't have a bad year last year. Fans, but He had, like, an identical year to his rookie year. He just had less touchdowns. Which was a his, good year. He had a good year last the year. Touchdown, the touchdown percentage was always going to go down. He was scoring it was, yeah, right. 10% his, of his catches. In his yeah, season. it was insane. He, it was a completely disproportional rate in his rookie year. 
But he had a good year last year. People wanted to, you know, bash on him. Like, wow, you didn't take the next step. No, he was good. And he's still he's still a good wide receiver. And again, I think probably another similar season to what he did the past two years. He's that guy who's going to put up 50, 60 catches and 600, 700 yards. That's, that's what he is. And he was a great pick for what he does. Like, excellent pick. Good football yeah. player. One of Gettleman's best draft picks yeah. ever. So, And I don't necessarily yeah, for think sure. the Giants need him to be superstar, 1,000-yard, 13-touchdown guy. They just need him to kind of be the guy that takes the top off the defense and, you know, make some of the tougher catches. Yeah. And then Kyle yeah. Rudolph, who's kind of that last. I mean, I think we haven't really touched on John Ross that much, but. No, John Ross will get like one touchdown this year. You'll be like, oh, he's still in the league? And it'll be like, oh, that's kind of nice. And then, yeah. I think Rudolph, yeah, if Rudolph's just a good second tight end. I mean, I think the big thing with Rudolph is, is red zone, right? Yeah. Red zone. Yeah, because he's a big dude. Yeah. Like, he should be um, what, what What percentage of snaps should the Giants bench Evan Ingram and Kyle Rudolph and Caden Smith? Uh, I mean, <laughs> unless... I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I'm kidding. Caden Smith won't see the field. That's a joke. Get hurt. I know. I know. I'm Again, Giants fans, we are... This is the summer of honest expectations, right? We're going to be honest with ourselves, and we're going to focus. We have a lot of good pieces. Let's focus on the good. Let's not dumpster dive for no reason, here, and, folks. And, all right. And I, I want to. I just kind of want to point out as we're naming these guys, right? Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Tony, Darius Slayton, Kyle Rudolph. <clears throat> you hear all those names? You should get excited. Like, yeah, that is a it's very a good, group. good core. It's a good of, group of, of pass catchers and offensive weapons. Honestly, yeah. you, I think you'd probably if Daniel be, Jones is worth. Go ahead, Matt. I was going to say you're, you're probably going to be hard pressed over the, the kind of the and they haven't stepped on the field yet, but on paper you're going to be hard pressed to find a better and more talented group of playmakers in the last 10, 20 years. It, it, it's going to be difficult yeah. because that this that's what you know. There's four wide receivers on this team that you're saying for the giants yes yes not yes not okay i just yeah the league just the Giants. i just want to clarify that people will take that out of context if we don't clarify that not that's just well yeah giants. i agree i agree i agree for the giants right um and and that's why if daniel jones is worth anything this year he has the best year of his career and looks apart average if he's worth anything there's no more excuses Average quarterback play, average quarterback play, and mediocre offensive line play. This offense, should, I, I was going to say, this offense is going to be in the top half of the league in scoring. Mediocre. So when I, I say mediocre offensive line play, the Giants finished twentieth in offensive line, and Daniel Jones is just straight average the whole year. This team should be like twelfth, thirteenth in scoring for points. Yeah, which is and, and that step. should mean playoff team. That's today, a big so. step from what they were. So, yep, for sure. Let's talk about the offensive line. Speaking of dumpster fires um, and dumpster diving, um, I hate the fact that the offensive line from I know we said from 2018 to now it's better, but from 2020 to now the offensive line is worse. Yes, I, I think on, on paper, paper at least it is. it's worse. And I, I think the hope because is- they're banking. Right, the Giants are essentially banking on every young guy hitting, and that's a really for for an organization that has not drafted well, basically for twelve years at this point. That's a bold 
bold, bold strategy. I mean, this is now like every single one of these guys that are expected to start in the line, and we can just go left to right. You know, sure. Thomas, Lemieux, Gates, Hernandez, Parrott. Left to right. That's what we expect, right? Yeah. I mean. That's what the coaching staff seems to expect. So, it, you know, these are all young Dave Gettleman guys. Ugh. And that should scare you. If you're a Giants fan and you're trying to be optimistic about this season, it should pro like, you realistically should probably stop right here. Like, this line is it, bad. It's it's one of those things. It's going right to cost Dan, us games this year. Right, Dan? It's one of those things when you should get really excited about all these weapons. And I, I 100% yeah. mean that. Like, like in terms no, of I agree. football players, like, like I'm, I'm so thrilled for these weapons. I'm so excited to see all these guys out in the field together. But, but the offensive line and the quarterback, from what we've seen so far, are not good, and they will hold back the playmakers. Yeah. And, you know, yep. if we want to talk about each kind of guy on the line, obviously the biggest loss was Kevin Zeitler. We lost Zeitler. Right. Football guy Kevin Zeitler taking, you know, crack, doing pass sets while his wife's giving birth. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. I did. I did see that. that. Thank God guy too. we signed Logan Ryan over him. We'll talk about Logan Thank Ryan. Thank God. Oh, That's God. a next episode thing. Um, it is next episode. But, but oh, disgusting. You you look at the line, and, I mean, Andrew Thomas has to get better, right? Right? He, he can't get worse. So Can he? I, I, went, I went back, Dan, and like, I, I, I looked at Andrew Thomas' play. I don't think for the first eight games this year he was NFL ready. And I know, like, he was labeled. No, he wasn't. He clearly wasn't. In the draft, he was labeled as, like, the most NFL-ready left tackle. And hand up. I said that. I said he was. I was and wrong. I don't know what happened between the end of the, you know, uh, what, 2019 college football season and the beginning of the 2020 NFL season. But something happened, and he took, like, a massive step back. And he wasn't really NFL-ready until, like, week <clears> eight. Week nine, like he was like halfway through the season, where you kind of saw Thomas like take this turn, and it was a it what it was a, a sizable jump in the sense that he went from like god awful, barely playable, to just like mediocre. So and then he finished the season kind of on that mediocre streak, which if he had played like that the whole year, I think we'd be, you know, excited about his potential. You know, yeah. rookie offensive line steps in, plays left tackle. He's not good, but he's not bad and you're like okay like this guy had a solid rookie year so you kind of look at half of thomas's rookie year and you're like he was okay for a rookie but you look at the first half and he was so bad and there was some really bad stuff in the second half still and it makes you kind of wonder it, it does he fall more towards it being just awful is he is he on the rise and the giants need him to be well yeah they need right he's the mediocre. biggest piece of that line he, need, he needs to be, like, a starting left tackle this year, like an NFL-ready. He needs to look like the guy who shut down Josh Allen in college. He needs to look like the guy who shut down Caleb on Chase on in college. That was the guy that I watched and I fell in love with. I had him as my number two-ranked offensive tackle that year. Okay? So that's what we need to see from him. And if we don't see that from him this year, it's probably not going to happen. It probably means we wasted a top five pick on a guy who uh, wasn't worth it. I will say. So he, he needs to grow. I will say, historically, you know, Lane Johnson, pretty bad his first his first season. 
I think it was Russell Okun, pretty bad his first season. So, like, there, there is a history of, of guys struggling out of the gate, kind yeah. of picking up steam as the season goes along, getting a little <clears throat> bit better, and then from there they're okay. So, like, Yeah, and no especially means, in offseason like they had last year, too. By, by no means am I ready to smash a panic button on, on no. Andrew Thomas. I, no. I still think, just based off scouting him and watching him play, I still think he'll be okay. I am worried about the kind of elite potential. When you draft a left tackle at four, you want him to be like um, Ronnie Stanley from Baltimore. Like yeah. the gold best ta- left You tackle. want the gold jacket yep. potential. Yep. And I'm, I'm worried about that. I don't know if that's still obtainable. Um, like I, from what I saw last year, and I'm not saying it's not, but that does concern me. How high is the ceiling? Yeah, yeah, and that's fair, and that should concern Giants. I still think the ceiling, though. I want to talk about. Good. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. So he he needs to take a next step. Um, let's talk about the other tackle, the right tackle, the projected right tackle, Matt Pert. Um Giants fans, real uh, for some reason again, are expecting him to come in and just be this star right tackle. And I, I like Matt. What are the numbers saying about Parrot? Like, are you optimistic? What are your thoughts on him? I mean, he wasn't a fantastic pass blocker last year, Dan. Like, nothing. I, I, he stepped in and he was okay, but it wasn't like he was the special pass blocker last year. He allowed a couple sacks. He allowed a couple hits. I think he had like seven pressures on like I don't know forty pass snaps, something like that, forty-five, somewhere in between there. So, I mean, that's not good. Um, but, again... Not, not, not a deal. Again, it's one of those things where we barely saw him play. And, um, you know, the actual, like, Giants beat writers and stuff, they, they barely... They, they weren't invited to practice, so they barely saw him practice. So, we don't really know what he is. We have no idea. Yeah. He's a giant question mark. He could be good. He could not be good. There are Giants fans who are sold on the fact that he's going to be fantastic. And I know. my question for all of them is, how do you know? Because we don't, we don't like we haven't seen. There's enough, no evidence either way. We haven't seen enough of him on a football field to sit here and say, yes, this man, right side of the line is going to be going to be locked down. At the same time, with how bad some of the other options the Giants have had at right tackle have been, Cam Fleming actually wasn't terrible, but with how bad you know some other guys were <coughs> that we've had over the last like decade, I, I can he be any worse than any of those guys? Probably not. So. Yeah, um, you know, and, and another thing I've been seeing on, like, Instagram and stuff is he's really big, Matt. He's huge. He is. So he's a, he's big. So, I mean, how bad could he be if he's really, really big? He'll at least so, be hard to push out of the way. Yeah, because he's so he's, – he's a massive human being. All right, let's talk about somebody who sucked last year. Literally was, like, the worst-ranked PFF guard in Shane Lemieux. Giants fans – Think he's like the Mario Lemieux of guards for some reason. I, I don't know why he was terrible last year. I don't know how the Giants and I've I've went back and I watched Shane Lemieux play. I think you've gone back and watched Shane Lemieux play. Yes, yes, it so was not good. It's it's, it's the, the tape and the stats both say the same thing, and it was he was awful. Like there wasn't even like, like this god awful. <clears throat> like with Andrew Thomas, he was god awful, but we saw progression, right? So at least with Andrew Thomas, you could say, okay, there's progression, there's hope, yada, yada, yada. With Shane, Shane Lemieux, it was god-awful, and he stayed god-awful, and there was, he never got better. So I don't know how the Giants' decision-makers went back and watched last season and said, 
we can go into 2021 with Shane Lemieux as one of our guards in zero competition. Yeah, because that's pretty much what they did, and, and it's 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 alarming because like he he looked terrible, like he looked unplayable, and the fact that they cut Kevin Zeitler and he's likely going to be taking Kevin Zeitler's spot, right? It is alarming. It's it's just it's not putting this team in the best position to succeed. And, and he's a fifth round pick. It's not like he was a high round pick. It's not like you can say, oh, he was like a second rounder. He's a fifth round pick. Fifth round picks. We just saw the Giants last year, last offseason. Everybody was like, oh, Ryan Conley, he's you know a fifth round pick. He's going to be our starting linebacker. He got cut out of the gate. He didn't make the team. So so let's pop the brakes on Shane Lemieux, and it's it's disgusting that we didn't at least bring in some competition. That's and that's kind of when you're as as Giants fans when you're kind of thinking about this offseason and where the team failed. It's not addressing the two guard spots because at least you could say, all right, the Giants took the Giants took Parrot in the third round. They clearly believe in him, right? We haven't seen it. We don't know enough to know if he was good or bad. Like we haven't seen, we didn't see enough of him last year. Um, but the Giants clearly believe in him. You know, they at least have Nate Solder, who's not by any means good, but can at least be somewhat serviceable if you need him to be at tackle. If, if Peart, you know, Parrot's totally awful. The Giants don't have anyone at either guard spot, and Will Hernandez was bad last year too. Like that that, that yeah. guard position is where the Giants failed this offseason. They let Kevin Zeitler go, and they brought in no one else. They're just going to throw out Will Hernandez and. And Shane Lemieux, and they're going to hope for the best. And it's it's it, it's almost like they're going all in with like pocket sevens. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and it's like that that it's could risky. work in theory, could work. But it's like if somebody just has a pair of eights, you lose. You're done. And that's that's almost like what they're doing. They're like, oh, like cars are all dealt, pocket sevens, all in. It makes no sense. It's a terrible strategy. It could work. But more likely than I, not, it's not going to. I just, you know, when you look at when you look at our division, right, Dan? Look at our division. Week two, we play Washington. I just, yeah. I don't see how the Giants' offensive line is expecting to survive against the, you know, the interior of the line. I know Nick Gates, and we'll talk about Nick Gates in a second. Nick Gates is fine, but Will Hernandez and Shane Lemieux. I don't know how you're expecting those guys to go up against that interior of the of the Washington football team's offensive line, which is just so good. Yeah, Fletcher Cox. You know what I'm saying? Like, we still he's still on the Eagles, right? I didn't miss anything, yeah, he right? Yeah, he is. So they got to play Fletcher Cox tw- twice a year. Like, it's just, yeah, it, it, it's not good. Nick Gates was a good center, though. So we both thought he was going to stink last year, and that kind of worked out. So and he, again, maybe we'll be wrong again. I mean, I mean, but, Nick Gates had a rough start to the year. He really pulled it together as the season went along. He was an average center. The Giants aren't paying him to be anything special, so he can be an average center. And, you know, I, I, I think we are at a point with Will Hernandez where we've seen all we're going to see. Will Hernandez is what he is. Yeah. And, I mean, he's a bottom-tier starting guard to what he is. And, you know, I think right. the hope now is Shane Lemieux, you know, last season – he was god awful, and somehow he goes from god awful to good because you're going to need him to. And I know a lot of people thought, oh well, Andrew Thomas and the whole line started playing better when Shane Lemieux stepped in, and it just so happened that it correlated exactly with when uh, Mark Colombo was fired. So yeah, it, which because Mark Colombo was a bad, you know, Joe Judge fought him out of town, allegedly, of course, but not really. 
But anyway. But maybe. Um, but probably. Um, but not confirmed. But anyway. Um, yeah. It, bottom line is that, yeah, the line, this is the X factor for the whole team this year. This will determine if this team wins six games. This will determine if this team wins ten games or beyond. It's the offensive line. Um, so let's get to your questions. You guys ready for that? Yeah. You ready to answer some questions? This All right. Um, so we had some good some good fan questions for today. Uh, we're not going to be able to answer all of them, but we'll answer some of them. It's the ones we like. Um, Chris asks, Christopher asks, what's the problem with Mr. Florida Gator, a.k.a. Canary's Tony? Everyone is saying he's a disappointment, and I don't get it. I'm going I'm, I'm to go ahead and say it right now. I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. Giants fans that are upset that Kadarius Tony did not report to voluntary workouts are the worst fans the fan base has. Just gonna, they are. Yeah. If your boss, yeah. If your boss called you, and this goes for anyone, if your boss called you and said, "Hey, tomorrow morning, you don't have to show up for work. Don't show up for work tomorrow. I'm gonna pay you. I'm gonna pay you the same amount, but you don't have to come to work tomorrow. Are you going to work?" Yeah, the answer is a hard no. Yeah. So I have a championship right to attend tomorrow. But right, but also right. It, it's not going to happen. Exactly. It's just not going to happen. So why um, in the world quit- are we upset that a guy didn't show up to a voluntary workout? He was there for he, – he was either there or excused for all of the mandatory workouts. So he, he showed up when he had to. So why are we upset that he didn't show up for a voluntary workout? Coincidentally, this podcast is brought to you by Young Joka's Warrior 2 album. Um, it's available on Spotify, Apple Music right now. Go and check it out. Kadarius you know Tony's Young Joka, Warrior 2. It's the best rap album of all time. Let's, let's also be real, Dan. Let's also, <laughs> we're not really sponsored, but let's be real. No, we're not. He did not sponsor. Let's, let, let's, <laughs> let's, let's also be real here and say that like if Kadarius Tony didn't have the rap thing going on, this would have flown completely under the radar, no. and no one would have But Giants fans are already making the narrative that he doesn't care about football because he likes to do music on the side. Because he has hobbies. That's like saying that's like saying we don't care about our jobs because we do this for fun. I know. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like <laughs> it's stupid. So, all right. So he hasn't been a disappointment yet. Let's wait till we actually play before. Uh, before we say his disappointment, and I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say this right now too, guys. He might not be very good this season because his his usage is probably it might be very low, especially through the first like half of the year. He might not get a ton of usage. So let's also not rush to judge him after one season either. Like as soon as the Giants took him twentieth overall, didn't like the pick, threw a chair just like John Mara did. You did so throw a chair. I, you did I, throw a chair. I, as someone who did not like the pick, thought he was a big reach at twenty. I'm sitting here and telling you that he's a guy that's going to take probably a year to develop. Don't expect a whole lot this year. I will not be calling for his head at the end of the season unless he like gets in trouble, like off the field with the law. Which I, which he's not gonna. Which I don't think he's, he's going not to gonna. either. I think he's. I'm not even putting that out in the universe. I think he's outgrown those issues. So unless something like that happens, I'm not going to be mad at him, even if this season's pretty bad. So hold, pump the brakes. He's a more than a one year development project. Let's not overreact over the man's rap album. Warrior 2 out now on Spotify and Apple Music. All right, Joseph asks, what is the status slash outlook on Saquon Barkley and his capability to return 
to action at the beginning of the season. Now, I will say the Giants, nobody, or and Barkley, they've not explicitly said he'll be ready. Uh, I think he's going to be ready to go. I'm going to go ahead and say this, Dan, and we've done an excellent job of not of not uh, cursing on this episode. The reports yes. that the Giants are putting out that Saquon Barkley is not going to be full goal week one are total horseshit. Total okay. horseshit. Matt, we have a new phrase for that that our Russian friend Nikita Kucherov taught us. Okay. Do you know what that phrase no, is? No, I don't. Number number one bullshit. Number it's number one, one bullshit. bullshit. Okay. It's number one bullshit. It's it's so. It's not like he's gonna play. He's gonna play. It's, it's they're trying to play coy with it. He shouldn't play a preseason game. Nobody, no no good running back should play. A no, preseason. no. It, uh, honestly, so Kenny Galladay shouldn't play a preseason game. Sterling Shepard shouldn't play a preseason game. Like anyone that has any injury history, don't want to play in the preseason. Yeah. Saquon Barkley, week one, go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there right now. As long as he's healthy for the whole game, he's going to get like 18, 20 touches. Like, he's going to yep, be fine. For sure. And, yeah, for sure. All right. Matthew asks, if the offense struggles again, who do you think gets the boot? Garrett, Judge, or Gettleman? I'm going to go out. you mind if I answer this one yeah, first? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. So, there's no chance Judge is getting fired this year. The team can go 0 16. They're not firing Joe Judge. No. But. Joe Judge, I think, wants to fire Jason Garrett. Yes. Like, low-key, I think he does. And I don't think he was allowed to make that change because the Giants are concerned with Daniel Jones learning his third different offense for years. But I don't think I, – I, I, I think if this offense is not good this year, Jason Garrett will be fired this season. I would, yeah. Bold take. I was going to say, if the offense isn't good, Freddie Kitchens will be the offensive coordinator before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like that—that's just a fact. So Garrett, yes, offense struggles. Garrett's out the door. If the offense struggles, and the reason why the offense struggles is very clearly Daniel Jones. Uh, Dave Gettleman has hitched his wheel to that to that wagon, and I think he will also be gone at the end of the season. So if if yeah. the offense struggles, yes, Jason Garrett's out of here. If the offense struggles and everyone's playing well and it's just a quarterback play, I think Dave Gettleman's also out of here because I think what's going to happen is Joe Judge will march into. John Mayer's office, and he'll say, "Hey, I didn't pick this guy. This is my quarterback. You can't let you can't fire me before I pick my own quarterback." And that's how Joe Judge yep. will get a couple more years out of. And it rightfully so, yeah, quite I frankly, agree. rightfully so. And that's the risk that you take when we said two years ago you should have fired Pat Shermer and you should have fired Dave Gettleman at the same time. This is what that causes. That's the that's the. The divide you get when that happens. So, so you made the bed. The, Gi- the Giants made the bed. They got to land. So that's what's going to happen if the offense does struggle again. Again, mediocre line play. And, Dan, honestly, even if Jones could be like the 18th quarterback in the league this year, the offense should be good enough. It should. I agree. Be good enough. I agree. That's not – you know, if, I if agree. Jones is the 18th best, court, best quarterback after the season, like if, if you look at the – you know – you look at the season and he's kind of bottom half of the league, that's still not enough to be convinced that he's your future guy. But but that should be enough for the Giants to make the playoffs despite Jones. Yeah. For sure. All right, last question. What is your favorite song on Warrior 2 and why is that going to cause Kadarius Tony to have a bad season this year? Who submitted that? Who submitted that question? Come on. Listen, Come on. Listen, 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 listen. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun to watch the entire fan base.
be so excited and start calling him Young Joker and stuff like that after he scores like a 60-yard touchdown. Like the flip-flop we're going to see throughout the season. Yeah. It's going to be throughout the yeah. whole season. And then, and, then, and then he's going to drop like an important pass and you're going to have like some 60-year-old Giants fan who's had season tickets since they were in the Bronx being like, he should call himself Young Joker because he's a joke. Not Young Joker. This guy's such a joke. I hate this guy. He sucks. So it's gonna it's gonna be fun to see the, the pendulum. It's it's gonna be very fun to like uh, uh, the satire that we're gonna be able to do this year. Yeah. Oh, dude, for because sure. Because of I've had these tickets. It. I've had these tickets as long as both you guys have been alive combined. So all right, as you guys are <laughs> as you guys are, are are you know when you guys see us questioning Kadarius Tony because of his rap album, realize one hundred percent that it it's, is. A we're joke. joking. It's a hundred percent joke. We're not being serious. And just, I yeah. guess, I kind of just go back and I imagine myself because originally, like, there was a chance the Giants could have been interested in Juju Smith Schuster. There was like a day in free agency where like the Giants had called Schuster's camp and had some conversations. I don't think it, it didn't go very far, but they at least made the phone call. And I just couldn't yeah. imagine what Giants fans would have done. Oh, dude, that would have been a content dream for us because it's like, but we would have lost a game thirty-eight to seven, and they would have blamed. Juju Smith-Schuster for dancing on the team's logo pregame instead of the defense. But like, it would have just been a content factory. But like, like it's going to be really funny. It would have been really funny to see that, and we're kind of getting a piece of that with Kadarius Tony and how ridiculous yeah, we are. Fans can be. Yeah, it's almost like you couldn't get the big toy, but you're getting the little toy. You know, in the store. But anyway, folks, that's our. That show. was a great analogy. Um, that was so good. That yes. was excellent. Yeah. Um, so we're going to have some fun this year with this offense. Hopefully it doesn't suck, but that's our show. Episode three will come out after episode two, um, which we haven't, we were recording in chronological order. So episode three will come out after this. If you haven't listened to episode one yet, what are, what are you doing? Go back and listen to episode one. Um, but thank you so much for listening. Are we just ending it right there? That works. Okay.